Welcome to Beyond the Frontline Podcast, where your hosts, U.S. Air Force veterans, Donna Hoffmeyer and Jay Johnson will help you transition from the front line to the home front. Listen every other Wednesday as they will bring great conversations, resources, tips, and feel-good stories that will resonate and relate. Now, here's your hosts, Donna Hoffmeyer and Jay Johnson. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to Beyond the Frontline. It's me, Donna, and I am here with my co-host, partner in crime, friend, brother from another mother, 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 mother. Hello, mother. Hello, father. I thought of, too. See, we share a brain, too. (laughs) Welcome, all of you guys. We're so glad glad you're listening. I apparently cannot talk today, so it might be an interesting episode. But welcome back, and, and we're glad sharing time and space with you. And Jay? What is going on? Talk well, to I, me. Uh, you know, you, you did a couple podcast episodes that won't be released yet for, you know, a few months down the road, probably. But I yes. I was under the weather and yes. uh, I'm back on my feet. Still got a little bit of a nagging cough. Hopefully that doesn't bleed into today, but I'm good. Overall, things don't slow down even when you're sick and when you're a solopreneur uh, and you wear all the hats in the organization, man, you got to buck up. So Amen. I have to remind myself of that. And, and you know what, Not only because you asked and I went there. I don't know why I've gone there, but I uh, I tell people what drives me every day is uh, I think about me going out into the world. There may be someone I'm supposed to meet that day, and uh, and I'm the one that holds the key, right? Something I say, some way I serve them is going to unlock a door and free them from something they've been locked behind. And, it's and, if, true. and if I don't get my six, as we would say in the military, out of bed and and just pony up, you know, despite what's going on in my life, then... I'm not there for someone and that that motivates me to get up. So that's what I'm doing. I've been I've been down but not out and I've still been in the fight. You were down, then you went out and then where did you go? You... I well, so I had a trip planned to Florida. My girlfriend and I we were going to go to Panama City Beach, Florida. We were going to go up to Nashville and uh after me coming out of the sickness, I didn't feel like I can endure nope. that kind of car ride. So on a whim, she said, Why don't we just shorten it? Why don't we just go to a football game in Oklahoma? Because that's my home mm-hmm. home state, home team. And so this past weekend we went up and watched a college football game, had a good time. There's nothing like a college football environment in my humble. I opinion. saw the pictures. You were yeah, riding hovercraft. Ah, scooters, yeah. We scooters. rented those scooters. Yeah, it was fun. <laughs> I'm still a kid at heart, Donna, even you, in my mid You are, yeah. you are. I agree. I agree. Well, How about you? Uh all I can say is that I'm back in high school. I know. The kids are back and it's all their extracurriculars and it's freshman year has started out at breakneck speed. Mm-hmm. It has been this project, that project, marching band, another project. And so my poor child, who we call him our Ferdinand, because <laughs> he would be very happy sitting under a tree, smelling flowers and having somebody feed him grapes. I mean, he's just that What's very sweet. That? Yeah, well, he'd like to do that full time. If there's a job opening, that's your guy right there. Yeah. <laughs> and so it, he, I will give him credit. And I don't know, for the audience, just so you know, my son has ADHD and, and it's a challenge with getting things organized and in order and whatnot. And so freshman year comes out and all you have to be is organized. And I'll tell you, he has hit it as hard as he could. And Love he's it. been doing a great job. So he came home from band and he's like, mom, I have a speech due tomorrow. I've written like, like 
two sentences. And I said, well, what's your game plan? Um, hope that nobody calls on me tomorrow and I'm going to do it Monday and I'll write it in class. I'm like, yeah, that's yeah. not going to work. Yeah. So we kind of sorted out between last night and this morning, but he is like zombie boy going to school. So, <laughs> well, I, you know, I can relate to him in this regard. I have training due for a fortune 100 company in a week and a half and I am in uh, brain lock. That's a week I, and a half. It's just not coming out. I know it's just not. <laughs> So later after this, after we record this episode today, I'm getting on a call with an, another fellow trainer coach and we're going to brainstorm. See, yeah, brainstorm, see if we can't get this thing percolating because yep. I, we all face it, I guess. That's what I'm saying. You know, well, you do, right? It's, it's what life is about. And so we don't all have the skills, uh, but I'm pumped. Wow, setting the stage. Setting the setting stage. The stage. But you know what? Not just that. It sets the stage well, too, because who you've invited in as a guest today is a really busy dude. Yes. And, uh, it, it, so, so I know he can relate to everything we're saying. Yeah. So it does set the stage when I was talking about skills, like we don't all have all the skills. That's just why we cannot all function independently. There is no one person that's 100%, even if they think they are. I have not. to rely on others. You have to, yeah. I know. Even as high test as you are, right. You still <laughs> need to rely on others. No doubt. Sorry. Keeps your schedule yeah, straight. She does. Her. She keeps me straight. <laughs> so Having said that, right, the cool thing is, and I learned this uh, when I was in the military, that the DOD actually has this pretty awesome program called SkillBridge. And so SkillBridge is really what exactly it said, the skill bridge. We're bridging the skills. So they allow you six months before you are separating from the military to actually go um like intern and and I'm not going to get in those details because that's going to be for our guests to do but I actually started down the path the downside it is commander's approval mm. my commander felt that they could not let me go at that time and I wasn't able to complete the program but I did actually work with Jose as a matter of fact I still have emails from him I saw them a little while ago from a long long time ago that's awesome so let me introduce this awesome awesome man Jose Ontiveros is the SkillBridge Manager, Co-Chair of the Workforce and Transition Alliance for Joint Base San Antonio. He is a 20-year Air Force career veteran. He was an F-16 aircraft mechanic and supply technician. And during that time, near the end, he found his passion for social services while concluding up his military service in the Military and Family Readiness Center while providing support to families of deployed service members. Then he joined Joint Base San Antonio in 2016, launching then what was called Career Skills Program, which has since been largely renamed Skill Bridge. And he holds a master's degree in business administration and a bachelor's degree in business management for the University of Arizona Global Campus. I like it a lot. Mm -hmm. I'm excited for this one. Me too. Jose, welcome. Hi, thanks for having me. Really excited to be here. I now know why I didn't know about this program, Jose, because it was born uh, a number of years after I officially retired. So a lot of years. I after don't know. No, let's not go there. But anyways, yeah, I was just thinking, how did I never know of this? I mean, I learned about it through you and then he came to speak. Yeah. At a at another veterans group that you and I are responsible yep. for. And I was just blown away. So I'm excited for this. Yes, exactly. So Jose. We're going to let you take this stage and run with it, but we want to know soup to nuts of SkillBridge. Um, and we've heard you speak already. And so we know your stuff. We know you know your stuff. And so we're just going to 
kind of stay out of it. And I just want you to, to go from as you were leaving the military, how you got into SkillBridge, how the program started, and your it. All right. Thanks. Uh, yeah. So you, you kind of gave a nice little summary there of my career, especially the tail end. Uh, happened to find my way into a special duty in the military and family rec center. And I had never done anything like that before in my career. Uh, so switching my focus from aircraft or logistics being the mission to now people being the mission, it was a really great segue into what I ended up doing after I got out. Really had no intention of, of continuing down that path, although I did enjoy the work. What I didn't realize is that all that time I was working in the Military and Family Readiness Center, there were other people that were observing my performance, my work ethic. Uh, I just really had no idea. They were basically admiring from afar. Uh, I retired at the end of 2014. Close to the end of 2015, I came across a, a gentleman who was one of those casual observers at a, at a function. And he asked, you know, what I was up to. Hey, what are you doing? How are things? How's life? How's retirement? So I told him, well, you know, I'm finishing up my degree and, uh, you know, I'm not really sure what's next. He said, well, I'll tell you what, um, I've got this position that's coming open. I want you to go in and apply for it. And I think you'd be perfect for it. And I was like, well, what is it? He tells me, well, we'll tell you on day one. Uh, just we'll, we'll get into all those details when you show up on your first day. Oh, wow. So, you know, you playful banter and you're like, oh, yeah, OK. All right. Thanks. I took the job number. I went and I applied because I was very intrigued that he thought. I thought highly of him as well. So I, I was intrigued that he had me in mind for this. So I apply. Most times in, in that federal job process, it can be lengthy. You, you can go long spans of weeks, months and not hear anything. It was literally like four days. And I got a call from the civilian personnel office and they were like, hey, can you come in Monday and uh, and start? I thought, wow, this is really quick. Yeah, yeah, I'd love to. I'll be there. So I show up and it's the gentleman who uh, basically offered me the job and uh, his supervisor. And uh, I knew both of the gentlemen. And so I asked him, hey, OK, so tell me what this is all about. Like, well, you're going to help transitioning service members uh, go do internships before they leave the military. And I thought, wow, that's that's different. Like, that's not how I know transition to work. That's not how it worked when I got out less than a year ago. It was just, uh, hey, thanks. Here, you know, go to your transition seminar and we wish you the best. So uh, I thought on it for about 30 seconds and then I asked, okay, well, great. Who am I going to be working for? Who am I going to be working with? And they both looked at each other and they told me, well, you're going to build it. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, you know, the this, dreams, baby. <laughs> yeah, like the four sheets of paper are the guidance on how the program works. <laughs> And so you are going to, by yourself, uh, implement this here and join base. <laughs> Let me ask you a question real quick, Jose. Yes, when, when you say that, now this is a Department of Defense program. So when Correct. you say that, were you doing that for the local area only, or were you doing it, building it programmatically for the service or services? You took my question again. Yeah, no, that is a great question. I mean truthfully i was doing it for san antonio all right mm -hmm. uh but where i can expand on that just a little bit more so 
when I was hired, the Air Force, so I really only the Army was, was the only service that was really doing this program. And it was, you know, at the time called Career Skills Program. Uh, so I wasn't necessarily reinventing the wheel. I was just having to figure out how to set it up here at our location. So at that point, this would have been uh, the very beginning of 2015. The Army already had a process in place. They were somewhat established uh, across the service, right? So uh, I was fortunate enough to get uh, to sit down in a room with six of their career skills program coordinators. And basically they had a conversation and I'd listen and I just typed out my plan. And so I was able to hear from them what worked, what didn't work, what works best, pitfalls to avoid. Uh, I really got to hear from the experts and write my program just straight from the experts. So uh, that was great. It was very helpful. Uh, here in San Antonio, our, our installation is a little unique because it is a joint base. It consists of two Air Force bases and one Army installation. Uh, the it, We are an Air Force-led joint base, which means all of the supporting functions, all of the infrastructure, everything is run by the Air Force. Well, that creates a unique scenario because one of these installations was previously run by the Army. So uh, the reason we were able to bring this career skills program to Joint Base San Antonio, as I said at the time, the Air Force wasn't on, on board with uh, that initiative, uh, was because a, a gap was identified in services being offered to soldiers. Someone said, hey, all these other Army bases have a career skills program, but we don't have it. That was where the conversation trickled down to the gentleman I ran in, ran into at that event. And, you know, he felt that was, was going to be the person to help, you know, stand this all up. So when I was standing it up, I was standing it up primarily for the soldiers in San Antonio. Uh, I'm not really a bookworm, but I am very technical. I like to get into, you know, the guidance and the regulations and read all the shalls, wills, musts. And as I was reading through the Army regulation, I found this great blurb that said, if at a joint base, this program can be utilized by all services and a light bulb went off. And so I basically told my boss, hey, I'm not building an Army career skills program here in San Antonio. I'm just building a career skills program. Uh, she liked that. Uh, she read to make sure I wasn't misreading uh, that that reg. We both read the same thing. And so we opened the doors to everybody, although you know the focus was primarily uh, soldiers. But it was great because I was able to get folks into this program and able to help them transition successfully before you know their service necessarily came on board. Uh, it wasn't it wasn't long after that. Maybe about a year after I came on board, the Air Force officially came on board, and then you know the other services trickled in as well. So uh, it's been a great adventure. It was a great adventure, uh, kind of going through that little journey from leaving the service to now giving back and helping extend a hand out to those uh, and help them get to where I'm at. Give me numbers. What to this date? What are your numbers? Yeah, so the numbers uh, here in San Antonio alone, so as I mentioned, we really started this back in 2015. Uh, we've put about 2,700 service members, so that's all branches, uh, through our career skills program, or as I'm going to call it here on out, SkillBridge. Uh, and, and so out of those folks, we have a 99% completion rate, 98% wow. job offer rate, and a 95% acceptance rate. So you know, basically what that means is 
you know, anybody that we bring and put into this program, they are transitioning successfully. Uh, one of the, the key factors in that is that I'm not a placement coach, so I've never had any, I've never had any pressure from leadership to, you need to fill this many seats. You need to get this many people in this program. I never had any of that because building the program myself, I was able to, to tell them, listen, that you're going to ruin this program if you start focusing on how many people you put in. Let's focus on the outcomes. I'm willing to take smaller numbers up front if I can help get them into the right situations to where they're going to land and be working. Then the program will build itself, right? The success will speak for itself. You'll get more buy-in from other service members as well as commanders. Uh, and then, you know, our number, it will do what it's supposed to do if you take care of business the right way in the I, beginning. That's impressive. And anybody that's been in any length of the military, you know that that is a hard sell. Because it absolutely numbers does. all the time. I want to dig a little deeper on numbers real quick, uh, Jose. Yeah. You may or may not be equipped to answer that right now. And that's fine. If if you can't, maybe you can get it to us later. We'll post it in notes. Um What's the officer to enlisted breakout of those that participate? Because as our listeners are hearing this and Donna kind of teed it up and said that she flirted with this early on, uh, what, what do those numbers look like? Yeah. So uh, officer to enlisted, it's probably around 25 to 75. So 25% are going to be officers 75 or percent are going to be enlisted and that's just the nature of the force structure in and of itself right there's less leaders than there are uh, on the enlisted side so and it plays out pretty evenly um i would say that if we start to break that down a little bit more uh on the enlisted side here in san antonio uh, I have more senior folks that use this program. And the reason for that is not because the junior folks aren't interested. It's that here in San Antonio, we are a training mission, right? So a majority of our young folks that come here are transient and they're just beginning their military career. Uh, San Antonio is the home of Air Force basic training. It's also the home of all military medical training. So a lot of the young folks we have here are coming here to start their careers and they're moving on. Uh, we do have, obviously, we're going to have that younger population. But another uh, thing that uh, we have going here in San Antonio is we're, we're very uh, headquarter focused. So we have a lot of, uh, you know, headquarters, numbered air forces, if you're familiar with how the Air Force structures things. So I believe uh, the last breakdown I saw, we have like 13 generals. Uh, here in San Antonio alone. So yeah, so that is a large amount of headquarters and support staff that support the, that level of command. And there's not very many junior folks in those, you know, in those organizations, maybe a handful. So, you know, basically, uh, we're very top heavy here in San Antonio. We're quick on those numbers again, Jose, and then I would, would really love to hear you kind of talk about what the process looks like from the time somebody decides that they're transitioning. And just to clarify, too, transition doesn't mean retire. It literally means somebody leaving the service, true? 
Correct, correct. And so I can speak a little bit to that as well. Uh, that's going to look different at, at every installation. But again, you know, I'm the San Antonio guy. So here about 60% of my folks retire, meaning they've served at least 20 years and they have a vesting retirement that will be coming their way. The other 40% served, you know, one, two, maybe three tours, and they've decided to pivot and go back out into the civilian workforce. Okay. When you said the majority of the 75% of them approximately are enlisted, and you said a lot of those are senior uh, leaders in the enlisted ranks. So are we talking E7 and above primarily? or E7 is the number one. Uh, that is the largest category of participant. For okay. Sure. Yeah. yeah. That doesn't really surprise me. You know? Right. And when you think about how the leadership structure is is right. broken down, you know, 1% of your enlisted workforce is E9s, 2% is E8s, right? So there's yes. very few, there's fewer of those two ranks specifically. And then probably one of the largest, and this at least in the senior NCO tier is going to be your, your E7. And so we have a lot of those here in San Antonio. So really what we have, we have a lot of middle managers. So yes, they right. will have they will have the hard skills, right? Whatever their career is, but they've kind of moved past being hands-on. And now they're more supervisory, um, you know, sitting at a, you know, a headquarter type level or supervisory role. So those are going to be great middle managers out there in the civilian workforce. Well, I was going to say, you, you, I love it when you said they had a lot of hard skills, but as they move up, that changes their, their build. We're always building soft skills, but when you get away from your career field and you get more into the management of it, the overview, you, you are now starting to utilize and develop those soft skills, right? And, and that's what we've talked about through all of our our series with startup and entrepreneurship and, and business itself or what you want to do when you get out, don't get hung on your hard skills. Yes, they're good. <clears throat> I mean, if you want to come out and be a weapons instructor, it does help you that you know how to you learn how to shoot a gun and was a weapons instructor in the military. I get that. But we actually, when we transition, we actually will find that we can, if we utilize more of our soft skills or aware of our soft skills, we can actually get into lots of different areas that we wouldn't have thought possible before successfully. Let's yeah, talk about that real quick for the, for the layman. Yeah. All right. Just for hard skills doesn't mean engineering. It, yes, can be. But when, when we're using hard skills, we mean your technical expertise, right. whatever that looks like. Soft skills, your interpersonal relation skills, your communication skills, your leadership skills. Yeah. I just want the, the layman listener, if, if they're not used to hearing that terminology, understand what we're yeah. doing. Yeah. yeah. If we Perfect. example it, I'm sorry. For example, you were a CADM instructor, right? So as an enlisted guy and you, your hard skill is you can shoot a gun. And with well, some level of accuracy, yeah, maintain a gun. I wouldn't challenge gun. it, right? You know what? The, you know how to break a gun down. You know how to put a gun together. You know gun safety. Those are all hard skills. Yeah. But your soft skills are working with people. How are you going to engage with them without terrifying them and make the gun go off at the wrong time? How are you going to teach somebody that? doesn't really know what they're doing, how to safely fire a gun. How are you not going to, you've told this story, yeah. the guy that loses his mind, 
right? Because he's trying to be hard and you're like, hey, like I don't I don't have to raise my voice out here. That's yeah. a soft skill navigating people. So yeah. just an example. And I know it's a little rabbit hole, but it, it I always key on that when people start using that. Yeah. So, yeah, ahead. no, but I think that's a good distinction to make and, and help folks really understand, you know, the differences in those skills. And if I can expand on that just a little bit more, yeah. not really going down too much of a rabbit hole. Mm-hmm. Uh, but one of the things that I, so it's something that I describe about us as we're transitioning, right? We don't know what we don't know. So we have this idea of how we think employment works or how a, a, a work environment is, but we really don't know. Um, so with that being said, when, when I'm talking to transitioning service members, I always ask like, what do you want to do, right? You have a job now. Do you like that job? You know, what is your passion? And they tell me, well, I don't really know. I mean, I, I can do anything. I'm like, yeah, you're, you're not wrong there, but let's do this, okay? In your career, not only have you learned a hard skill, right? Whether you were, you know, an aircraft mechanic or a logistician, you that hard skill. You also may have had some sort of other additional duty, right? Which is a, a program or some kind of responsibility that gets farmed out within the unit. So you were the safety guy. Uh, you were the vehicle guy. You were, you know, the facilities person, uh, any number of things. So you may have had 10, possibly even 12 different types of skills or experience that you've accumulated. So what I encourage folks to do is, hey, write those all down and rack and stack them in in order of the thing that you enjoyed most to the thing you enjoyed least. And you can very likely build a career in any one of those things, because on the outside, they're all their own in, in individual careers and jobs. It's just here for the sake of, you know, uh, efficiency. We're like, well, I already have a workforce and they're going to do what I tell them. So now you are the safety person. You're this person on, on top of your regular job. So, right. you know, now you don't have to do that um, and really think about it. And that really opens people's eyes and they go, ah, I never thought about that. I'm like, right. But you love safety, right? Like there are jobs out there where your quality assurance and you don't have to do any of the other things. You get a job specifically as a quality insurance inspector. Facilities. There are companies out there that specialize in just facilities management. Mm-hmm. But you know all of the other things because you did that as part of your additional duty in the military. And, and that really helps them open their eyes. And again, this kind of ties back into why I think we're as successful as we are here in San Antonio. Because... Uh, my team and I, we're not placement specialists. I don't have any quotas on seats to fill. Uh, what I'm charged with is making sure that these folks transition successfully. To me, transition is whatever uh, their goals are. So if they're telling me they want to get, you know, in field X, then I'm going to go out and find those opportunities and I'm going to help introduce them to companies in field X. And then they've got to take it the rest of the way. So we really just help them get where they want to go couple quick things, Jose. One, as you were listing out those extra duties, uh, I thought of a couple others, and I'm just throwing them out there because I think these are things that could absolutely help people in uh, corporate America. Uh, I think about active shooter skills. We actively train on that in the military, and there's a need. We Unfortunately, there's a need, right? Sadly, there's a need. Anti-terrorism skills. These are things I had to do when I was on, and uh, and I know companies seek people that have that. So I love that. Would you mind sharing the officer kind of rank structure, if you will? You know, you were pretty definitive in saying on the enlisted side, E7s were the preponderance. 
of those applying. What would you say is true on the officer side? Donna, my co-host, retired as lieutenant colonel. She was obviously vying for an opportunity there. So it's not limited. That was at a, a secret. Oh, sorry. It wasn't. <laughs> I know it wasn't. At a at a rank, at a certain rank. But what would you say you see on the officer side? What's the kind of average, if you will? Yeah. So uh, as I mentioned earlier, you know, we do have quite a few general officers here in San Antonio. I've not had any of them come through the program. I'm pretty sure they have a club. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, you a know, club. they have their, their network. And, and that's yeah. great, right? It's great that they have that. Uh, but what I like to think is that I've built that network for everybody else. So anyways, on, on the officer side, uh, again, we're top heavy. So uh, not a whole lot of lieutenants, um, you know, uh, 01s, 02s, uh, but we do have them. A majority of the folks that use our program are going to be the 04s and 05s. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's okay. No, that's helpful. I want yeah. to know that. So again, your deputy, right, deputies or your unit commanders. And believe it or not, I have quite a few 06s that uh, that use our program as well. So that that next level of, you know, leadership or command. So a uh, lot of good, you know, senior, senior experience coming out of here. Um, they are interested in things that are kind of appropriate with what they're doing, right? So some of them think they're going to roll out and be a CEO. And so we have this thing called expectation management where we tell them. <laughs> I'm smirking yeah. as you say all this because it makes me laugh because I was just going to say there's two things that they go there for. One, to go get their corporate job as the CEO, CFO, COO of something. Or two, they're like, I am so damn burnt. I want to go do something else. And that's what I was under. I'm all like, oh, yeah. Yeah. And I, and I see now. both. I see both for sure. Um, yeah. So it's that expectation management, letting them, helping them understand. Because again, I said, we don't know what we don't know. So when I explained to them, hey, are you familiar with the term military city USA? They're like, yeah, of course. Like, okay, do you really know, understand what that means? That means there are literally thousands of you and your skill set and your capability all vying for whatever jobs come available here. The market is saturated. Right. The market is saturated in San Antonio. That's a good thing because that means that there are jobs. It's a bad thing if you're wanting six figures. You're not going to get that here in San Antonio unless you're connected and you know you have a, a way in. I can't provide that. Um, but to you may have to go elsewhere. You may have to go elsewhere. And SkillBridge allows for that as well. Um, uh, I want to stay on topic right now, but uh, folks can travel for SkillBridge, so they don't have to just stay here in San Antonio. In fact, uh, about 20% of the folks that use our uh, SkillBridge program here in San Antonio come from other locations, and they come from right. around the world, from Europe, Asia, <laughs> uh, from other states all around, uh, all across the United States. They're coming here. I like to think it's because we built a great program, but yeah, if I'm really being honest, it's because they have some kind of tie or connection back here to San right. Antonio. Or because of that, that the market that we have here is very veteran friendly. Let's let's uh, let's talk process. So let's say I'm active duty right now, regardless of rank, which side of the line I fall on. Uh, a year out, I hit the button that says I'm I'm you know applying for retirement, have been approved for retirement, or you know I I know I'm not going to renew at the end of whatever my current commitment is. So, so where does an individual go to begin the process, Jose? 
So regardless of you know where the service member may be assigned, they're, they're going to look for their skill bridge or career skills program office. Um, not every installation has one. It may be a regional type deal. It may be a centrally located office at you know some kind of headquarters, but uh, every installation should be able to offer who do I contact uh, you know when I'm ready to, to pursue skill bridge. Here in San Antonio, my office handles all of the services, right? We are a joint base. Uh, so we ha handle all members, Army, Navy, Air Force, Marines, Coast Guard, and Space Force. We do have a handful of those folks here. Um, and so what will typically happen is we find them for the most part before they find us, right? So uh, it's congr congressionally mandated that all service members go through their transition assistance program seminar one year from their last day in the military. Uh, my team and I, uh, we go to all of those seminars. And so we're there. Hey, we're from Skillbridge. This is what the program is. Uh, we can help you get two feet in the door, get you some experience. Eyes light up. They're super excited. We're like, okay, we're not going to talk about it here because you, you got a lot more information coming your way. But we collect their, their uh, emails. We send them the full breakdown. And then we set up a one-on-one -on -one appointment with them. And the reason that I prefer the one-on-one -on -one versus mass uh, skill bridge briefings is because everyone's situation is unique, right? Uh, we don't get out in large chunks and certain times of the year. Your people are getting out around around year round, right? So uh, everyone's on their own little timeline, and so uh, we like to sit down with them one on one again, help them figure out what it is they want to do, help them map that all out, uh, start connecting them with companies. Uh, they do not need their commander's uh, approval or permission to talk to companies because all this is is dialogue. So if they tell me they're interested in IT, uh, I'm partnered with 26 companies that have IT opportunities. So what I'll do is uh, the focus will be a little bit different based on the company. The more specific the service member is, I can connect them with those companies that offer what they're looking for. It may be 12 companies. It may be five. Uh, just depends. And I tell them, I don't pick, I don't, you know, I don't tell you which one is best. You've got to figure that out for yourself. You've got to know your situation. Um, they talk with the company. Uh, if uh, you know, in the course of all those conversations, they may get a couple of guesses. The companies are interested, man, we'd love to bring you in. Uh, then I tell the service member at that point, you've got to sit down and weigh the pros and cons and figure out what's going to work best for you? Have you asked these questions? Have you asked those questions? You know, really think about this. Um, and then, you know, once they do that, they tell me, Jose, okay, I'm going to go with, you know, company X. All right, great. So here's what we're going to do next. It's the application pieces. This is where we formally ask the commander for the approval to go do this. In most instances, uh, these service members, they've already talked to their leadership ahead of time. Because, you know, the last thing anyone wants to do is waste their time. They're like, hey, I'm interested in Skillbridge. Do you mind if I start looking around? And if the commander goes, well, I'm not going to approve it because I, I can't afford to let you go, then it'll usually end there. So for the most part, everyone that we're talking to has at least a tentative, okay, uh, yeah, go ahead. So it's not a surprise when the commander gets this paperwork requesting to go do an internship for, you know, the window is 180 days from the last day in the military. Um, but the, the lengths of these internships are not 180 days. And there's a good reason for that. 
Uh, as I mentioned earlier, 60% of our folks here in San Antonio anyways are retiring. So they're going to accumulate that PTO, that personal time off, that leave, and use that as a decompression you know, buffer before they leave the military. So if you've got 60 days of leave saved up in a 180-day window, that really only leaves you with 120 days available. And something I tell service members all the time is, you don't need to be in a company 120 days. And 90 to 100 days is probably the sweet spot. And then that gives you some time to figure some things out, go back to the installation, do your clearing, you know, and uh, then figure out what comes next. So uh, once the commander uh, agrees on the length of the internship and what they're going to be doing, the commander signs off. And at that point, the service member is up. And now all they're waiting on is their start date. So, you know, they're going to go about their business at work. They're just going to wait until they get closer to that, that start date for the internship. And then once that date comes and off they go. Do you see that it's becoming more receptive from the commanders as you guys have grown and, you know, existed for a longer time? Because it's funny that when I've mentioned it in different circles, I can seriously about pick out the leadership because they kind of do the, oh yeah, that. And oh my gee, please. You know, and I, I got some of that too. You know, I got the, oh, I'm sorry. We, we can't afford to be without you. And I'm like, but you're gonna in six months. So <laughs> I yeah. didn't think that, but. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, We definitely have come a long way. I, I touched on this briefly. Our first year uh, in 2016, we only put 10 service members through uh, what was then called career skills program. And uh, I did, trust me, I did get the over the glasses glances from, you know, my leadership. They're like all this hard work and we only put 10 people in. And I'm like, uh, yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. However, all 10 of those folks got jobs, uh, got offered jobs, eight of them accepted one return to school and, uh, you know, didn't hear back on that one. So again, it's not a hundred percent, but that's still, a very high return on investment. So uh, back then, so 2016, the program was still unknown. I'm sure a lot of it was commanders going, I don't know what this is. I'm not, no, I'm not letting you go to go work for somebody else. You belong to me. You're going to work here. But as this program expanded, I would say into year two, that first year, I believe they were all enlisted. The second year we did uh, 45. And then we got a few officers into the mix. So out of that 45, uh, 43 uh, completed, got job offers, and all 43 of those accepted. So that was great. That was a great year. And, I, and then, I, well, let me just interject this for a second. I just want to kind of make sure people understand this, that nobody is guaranteed a job. And I say that because this makes us even more impressive, is that when you go do this, this program, you are there just to learn skills. There is no requirement for the business to hire people. There is no, they can, you know, do the the program and then the, the business can go, hey, that was great. Shake your hand, have a good day and never offer a thing. So the fact that you have such a high acceptance rate, it, it really is a solid reflection on what you are, the people that are going out there and how serious they take the program and how the businesses are like, oh, snap, this is good quality stuff. The people, you know, this is really good. So yeah, thank you. Um, yeah, thank you. That, I, You know, that that's kind of 
what we think as well. It was really just a matter of helping people find the right opportunities. Um, where I was going with that, that leap from 16 to 17, once I got a few officers into the program, I really firmly believe that they saw the value. They went back to their commanders and said, hey, listen, you know, this is legitimate. Like, this is not people going to intern at, you know, some random shop, you know, being a runner. Because when we hear interns, you think college interns, right? So they're inexperienced work-wise. They have no real skills yet. And our folks are the polar opposite of that. We're overskilled but it's random and scattered. And, and the whole point of these internships is to help us find that focus into what we're going to do next, right? Focus that that energy and that knowledge. And so getting those officer, officers in that second year, I really believe help open the doors and get commanders to understand, uh, hey, this is legitimate. And instead of, uh, instead of just thinking you're letting folks go, this is a serious transition tool and this is for you as well. Like this is for everybody. Doesn't matter your rank. Doesn't matter if you're separating or retiring. This is for everybody. And then that led us into 172 folks the following year, 306 folks the year after that, 400 the year after that. Uh, last year over 600. This year we're already at right around 600, and you know we're only uh, just hitting September. So the program is is doing really well. So it was just a matter of the success speaking for itself, the word of mouth, hitting all the right corners of our population, right? And then uh, just the success kind of speaking for itself. Jose, I heard you talk about partnering with transition assistance programs, which all military members are required to go through, right? Congressionally mandated. How about getting out? You may do this already. It's just a thought that weighed on me. Do you and your team get out and speak at commander's calls or go to group standups or the wing commanders, you know, staff meetings just to talk at that level right now, remove the people that are predominantly uh, applying for this and just talk to those that are responsible for the members that are applying to this, because it seems like it sounds like buy-ins happened. The numbers reflect that, but Getting things in congruence and alignment can ease some of the concerns that a commander may have, i.e., how can I live without you? Well, if you do this transparently and in a timely way, uh, you can actually have the requisition in for replacements uh, in a more timely way, too. So you can sequence those things up, I would think. Do you all talk to commanders and go to wing staff meetings? Yeah, absolutely. There's a, a number of opportunities we get to address senior leaders. Um, another thing, too, is, uh, you know, we go and talk at like spouse <laughs> events as well, because uh, we find the spouses have that elbow nudging, you know, relationship with that commander or those senior leaders. So uh, we're at those types of events as well going, hey, did you know this program is here for your transitioning service member? And they're like, I had no idea. I'm going to go back to here, take the information and you know, hand it to your your husband or your wife and uh, reach back out to us. And we're happy to come out to the unit and, and you know, just kind of inform everyone what SkillBridge is all about. So, yes, we do. We, uh, we have quite a few opportunities to do that. Uh, we're also at like newcomers briefings where we catch folks that are newly assigned to San Antonio. Yes, they just got here, but some of those folks are going to be commanders, right? Or they are commanders. Uh, some of them, this is their last stop. So, uh, we put that that little seed in their their ear about, 
hey, it's it's never too early to start thinking about what's next. Um, yeah, any type of large event or gathering. Uh, we also, we're all mobile. We have our own, own setups, our display materials. So we'll go and set up at all types of events where, you know, it may be a social type event, but our team is there representing SkillBridge. And when people see the name, they go, oh, hey, I want to come talk to you. So uh, it's a good way to catch them there. One, another thing that we do is we have a, uh, it's uh, like a shopping center on the installation, right? So our, our base exchange, mm -hmm. uh, we go and camp out there throughout the month during lunchtime because most folks will go there at the food court to eat. They're in and out or they're running into the, you know, to go grab something that they need real quick, but they'll walk right by our table. And we're like, hey, come talk to us about SkillBridge. So we really try to catch them wherever we can. And it, it to, to kind of separate the two. So TAP, the transition program is congressionally mandated. SkillBridge is not. SkillBridge is what I like to call TAP adjacent, right? So again, it's all going to be based on uh, mission uh, requirements. So if that commander just cannot support letting one or two or three folks go do this, Unfortunately, there's no like next higher authority uh, or appeals. There's no appeals process, right? Can't go to the next higher commander and try to ask. Uh, it's delegated down there. And I, I think that that's at the right place, right? Because that commander is responsible for ensuring that their mission is successful. That includes managing all the manpower. If you allow some other commander to go, well, I know you said no, but I think you should let this one go. You've got an outside uh, you know, command that's influencing a mission and, and they just don't want, you know, we don't yeah, want that. Undue influence. So, yeah. So that, that's kind of a one downside is that not everybody gets a yes. Not everybody's allowed to participate. And, and that does, that does hurt, especially if you're looking at a buddy that is in another unit and they're just letting people go left and right. But that's kind of the nature of the military, right? Some missions or some missions can support and some can't. Well, yes, and I'm going to put a little bit on the leadership. Leadership really has to look at what they can and can't support because I know sometimes it's more like numbers game. Oh, I can't have people gone. Like I, well, okay, you as a leader, what can you do? Do you have people that are can, you know, share the load? What can you break down exactly what they're doing? Can you really, can you truly not live without them? Truly? Because when you push that a little, then you come to find out, well, if they're not there, then I'm going to have to pick up something. Okay, well, welcome to leadership, you know? So that's just my two cents, whatever it's worth. Let me ask you this question. Um, what about the business side of it? So you came out and spoke to our veterans breakfast because they are a lot of them own their own businesses many of them my goodness majority of them own their own businesses some capacity and the cool thing about skillbridge is that when you say internship right it doesn't have to be at google or apple or some big corporate it can be at a small business right if you're thinking of learning a small business go to a small business. If you're thinking about, I might want to own a franchise, go intern with a franchise, right? Like there's a lot, if you're interested in, I know somebody that went to a horse farm because they were interested in that. And I'm like, well, heck, but there's obviously criteria. There has to be a plan. There has to show that they're, you know, they're, they're, they can't just go willy nilly in there. 
I understand that. But on the business side, what would you tell to business owners what, how this works for them? Because a lot of them might be like, I get you for six months and then what? You know, what is in it for me? Right. Um, I think you nailed it. I mean, it's not just like big corporations that, that get to benefit from this program. Uh, and that is, this is now, now that I have a team working for me, handling inside the fence, right? Talking to the service members, doing all the briefings, I get to do this fun part, which is going out into the community, kind of spreading the word about uh, Skillbridge and helping companies understand exactly what you just said. Um, our folks are interested in doing all kinds of things, whether they're looking and expanding on skill sets they currently use in the military or they're looking to pivot into a whole new career. Um, we do have quite a few folks that are interested in entrepreneurship, but just like the service member thinks, well, there's nothing out there for me like that. Well, that's not true. It, like you just said, all these business owners that started their own small business they can help pass on that knowledge to the transitioning service member, right? Help them understand what entrepreneurship really means, how to, you know, get started and how to get things going while also kind of getting a hand, right? Like here, you can come in and help me with some of this stuff while I'm, I'm imparting some of this knowledge on you. And then at the end of the day, uh, yeah, I think you talked about it earlier. Like there's no, and there is, there is no obligation that companies hire our service members, just like there's no obligation that our service members accept any job offer, which is, I think what you were getting at when you said it, and it's kind of impressive how, you know, these folks are going through your program and they're landing. It's because there is no obligation on either side. It's just, we're helping find the best fit for these folks. And so small businesses have just as many great opportunities as larger corporations. In fact, I, I tend to think smaller businesses work a little bit better, right? Because it's easy to go into a large corporation and just get lost in the mix of the giantness, right? The big vacuum. There's so much going on. There's a lot of disconnect. Uh, a lot of the communication is just through email or messenger on the internal system. But when you go into a, into a smaller business, it's a lot more personable. And that can really help a transitioning service member who's really trying to find their way and figure out how do I, you know, now exist in this new workspace? And so now you get that one-on-one with the business owner, with that smaller team. And, and I think it can be just as effective as, you know, some of these other, you know, larger businesses. I want to hit on this one benefit just to clearly draw this out, though. I think it is certainly part of what you two were just talking about. But I want to make sure the listener understands. The military member who gets approved by the commander is accepted by a business, whatever that looks like, to go do the work, are still receiving their active duty pay. The, the company that is allowing them to come in through this program to intern is not paying their salary. The individual is receiving their military pay and benefits. So the benefit to the company is uh, they certainly get to see the skills, the leadership abilities of this individual, what they can bring to their team. Uh, and they're getting to do that at no cost, basically, at, to some degree. I assume there's always cost, right? But right. Uh, but the pay, the pay is still coming from who they are as a military member over the course of what could be six months, those last 180 days. I just wanted to make that really clear to everybody listening. 
Yeah, no, thank you for, uh, thank you for uh, bringing that up. And to add to that, uh, liability is something that I always hear that comes up in initial conversations when I'm out talking with businesses, right? Well, what happens? They're not on my books. They're not on my insurance. Like what happens? Knock on wood, should something happen? Well, along with their pay, they're still on their military health insurance and their military health care. So, you know, heaven forbid, you know, knock on wood. All they would need to do is just report back to the military uh, medical treatment facility and get it taken care of. And then, you know, that's basically the end of it. So, you know, that should help ease some of those liability concerns, both with the pay and on mishap wise. I would just tell the business owner to tell them to suck it up and stop whining and they'll respond and kind of be no problem. At There's all. the Donna I know. Yeah. There she is. Yeah. No, look, I think that's uh, I think that's fantastic uh, all all the way around. How about any pitfalls, uh, Jose, that come to mind for you that we haven't already uncovered? You know, pitfall, no obligation, no guarantee. Uh, commander may not feel they can let you go. Any other pitfalls, though, that you've seen as emerging patterns in the time that you've been doing this? Yeah, uh, let's see. So commanders donna you brought that up a little bit of a sore subject uh one thing that i offer so i i offer this to service members and they go my commander doesn't sound like they're going to support I tell them okay my job is not to tell a commander how to do their job or how to manage their people however you can customize this participation window you can do half days you can do certain days a week and instead of instead of going to your commander with an all or nothing proposal, and if they give you a no, then counter propose. How about three days a week? No. Okay. Well, how about three half days a week? And you uh, hopefully you would be able to find some kind of acceptable window that the commander would be willing to let you go, while you still get to participate in the program and reap some of these benefits. So. Yeah, the pitfall of just, no, I can't support for sure. There are ways around, but I get it. Like when I retired, I was in a 1B position. It was a special duty uh, program. There, It wasn't going to like, they would not have let me go. I, I already know that, that it just would not have worked out. Uh, other pitfalls for companies. Uh, looking at this as free labor. It's not free labor. Yes, you're not being, you're not having to pay for them, but they're, these are also folks that are experienced, have tremendous skills and drive. They want to come into a situation with purpose and contribute and know that they're building, right? We're, we're team builders. We like to build towards success. So, you know, viewing us as, oh yeah, you're here. Okay. Now I just need you to run for this and run for that. And and they, they're, they're a gopher and that, that's not really what uh, the program is intended to be. So really think about how you could utilize the skill sets of these folks uh, that are available. Uh, pit, pitfalls for service members. Just don't jump at the first thing. I mean, there's going to be these companies that are, you know, the big, bright, shiny. Hey, we're great. Come to us. We will we will accept you no matter what. Yeah. But if they're guarantee, guaranteeing you that they're going to accept you and place you somewhere, 
what is that going to look like? Does that, that role that you end up in, is that even really going to align with what you want to do? Don't take that just because it's a guaranteed yes into a skill bridge. Use this for what it's truly intended for to build that new skill or expand on your existing skill. Don't just jump at, you know, something because they pro- you know offer these promises of, yeah, we'll take you. Well, you said something earlier, um, and and I have a firm belief in this, and I'm, I'm just going to paraphrase what you said, but essentially, you, they have all these skills scattered all over the place, right? And you bring it together, you know, you help work with them and bring it together to laser focus them into where they want to go. And and I have always said, transitioning service members need a needs assessment. As a nurse, when somebody was coming into the hospital, we always had the same, we were preparing for discharge at admission, right? We were doing a needs assessment the whole time. So when it was time for them to go home, we knew what they needed when they were going home. Cause you know, we don't send them home hundred percent. We might send them home 80%, right? So the same thing I feel like with service members when they're coming out of the military, a lot of them don't even know what they want. They don't, they don't know what they don't know, like you said earlier. And so they don't understand hard skills versus soft skills. They don't understand that their soft skills can actually transition to a multitude of things. And they may not even know what they like anymore because honestly, we are the world of voluntold, right? Like I was just laughing when you were talking about the additional duties, like the snarky side of me was like, what do you know? You too can have a career in additional duties, right? I mean, just made me laugh. So what is it you want? I mean, like, hey, if you liked doing um, a mandatory cleanup day, maybe lawn care services in your wheelhouse. And I don't even say that snarky. I mean, really, if you loved being outside and doing that and you were the first one out the door. What if you want to create a landscaping business? Landscaping business. Yeah. I'm saying like lawn service, landscaping, be something outdoors. Heck, maybe you want to go be a park ranger. You know, I mean, there yeah. you go. We just put three. That in, uh, that's a really good point. That ties into something that uh, we, we ask our folks, right? I call it passion versus paycheck. Like you need to know your situation when you're thinking about what you want to do next, because are you able to chase a passion or do you need to chase the paycheck? Right. Because you may not have set yourself up the way you wanted and come out of the service. You may need to go down this path to, you know, get that pay that you need to continue your, uh, you know, your lifestyle, or maybe you're retiring. You did, you set all these other things up and now I've always wanted to be a tattoo artist. I actually had somebody who did that. They wanted to pivot into a new career. They found a tattoo uh, parlor in Dallas that brought them in. They went, did the internship or the pre-apprenticeship, and they got a job offer out of it. I think they had already had a little bit of experience with it, but uh, they they were able to chase that passion because that was... They set themselves up to be able to do that. So yeah, having some guidance on these things is really helpful. It's funny to hear you say that last part because it makes me think I have a dear friend that I served with on active duty. He's a retired 06. And uh, what does he do for a living today? He is a graphic uh, car design. He wraps vehicles. He gets to tap into his artistic 
uh, you know, side of himself. And that's what he loves to do. That is his passion. Passion. It fuels him. He he never felt a calling to go be a CEO of some big company. And uh, and he loves every day getting up and going and, and doing what he does. It's pretty incredible yeah. to watch. And I see him post his work out there and I'm blown away by what I yeah, see. Yeah, that, really that's cool. the best feeling for me is when I see that LinkedIn post after, you know, many months down the road when they're like, man, so excited. My skill bridge went really well. I'm happy to say I got a job offer today and I cannot be happy. You know, whether they think skill bridge or not is irrelevant because at the end of the day, uh, I helped this person figure out where they wanted to be. And then I was able to watch them do all the hard work, go in and do this internship, improve themselves and then land successfully. And at the end of the day, that's just, that's the best feeling. We're getting close to landing since you brought that in, right? This has been a really engaging session. And uh, I have one more question before I turn back to Donna. She may have one too. How about one success story, Jose? What like, when you look back over your, I guess it's been six, seven years of doing this now, what's what's something that, you know, no names, but what's something that just you really recall that was a success story? Uh. I have tons of them, but I think one that was probably the most surprising uh, was a sailor, 04 officer, uh, IT background, was very experienced, wasn't really sure that he wanted to stay with it or just really wasn't sure what he wanted to do. And so, uh, as I always do, I was like, well, look, you know, let at least talk to these several companies. You know, they all have viable options for you, but, you know, let's just have a conversation. If you decide you don't want to do it, obviously there's no obligations. So he talks to this one company, he talks to several, uh, and then he calls me one day and he's like, you're not going to believe this. And I was like, what? He's like, this company wants to offer me VP of this IT department. And I was like, like vice president? He's like, yes. He's like, uh, we had uh, a couple of informal calls. Then I went in and did a formal interview. And uh, they, they, they they think I'm a good fit for this. So they want me to come in and intern. But basically, they're offering me this vice president seat uh, running this department. And I was like, that is amazing. Like, I love it. He was on the fence. He didn't even really think that he wanted to do this. Maybe he thought he could just go out and find something on his own. Uh, maybe he wasn't even really sure what he wanted to do. So to see that play out was really, really impressive. Uh, um, but I've got tons of those stories, right? I'm just sure. hearing whether they reach back out or, or I see them post on LinkedIn. It, it's just, it's awesome to see uh, these folks make that, that jump. It's I really think you got the coolest job in the world. Oh, I really do. Yeah. Um, but if I can, you know, since we're close to wrapping up, uh, just real quick for any companies that might be interested in, uh, signing up for this. Uh, my recommendation is to register with the Department of Defense. There's a DOD SkillBridge website. Uh, it's a two-part process. Uh, it's like a nine-question questionnaire. Uh, they'll respond back and send you a link to fill out this memorandum of understanding. Uh, once you fill in the blanks on that and submit it, eh, it takes about six to seven months. I know that's a little lengthy, but uh, once it's done, you're what's considered an approved uh, DOD skill bridge provider. Uh, the benefit in that is that you'll be listed on the skill bridge website. So service members all around the world will be able to find your organization. 
Um, but really the reason why I'm, I'm suggesting this is because the Army, um, excuse me, the Air Force and the Navy changed their policy within the last year or so that sailors and soldiers can only use programs that are listed on the Skill Bridge website. Uh, gotcha. So what I don't want is companies to miss out on the talent coming out of the Navy and the Air Force or and Space Force. So um, definitely want to go to DOD to get started. Um, and, will you yeah. put that link? Did you send that link to us? I don't think I did, but I will. Yeah, I'll get it. Email it because we'll put it up in our summary. We'll, and if you can, okay. if you can do it today, I'm getting. I got okay. this out today. Yeah, um, I'll. But I got one us. more thing that I wanted to add on the business side of it, and I I don't know if we said it. I don't think so. If God forbid there is an issue with the service member. And let's just say the energy is not vibing between the two of them. What can the business owner do? Yeah, and that's pretty rare. Uh, at it least is, right. Years. And I know that that's not a standard, but I, I can't yeah. imagine any business owner going, well, like, what if we run into an issue or we're just not yeah. seeing eye to eye or whatever it is? Right, right. So, again, there's no obligation on the company to, to uh, fulfill the length of that internship. If it's just not working... Um, what should happen is when the service member gets that approval from their commander, the company's supposed to get a copy of that paperwork. And on that paperwork is their commander's name and contact information. And the reason that's important is because if it's just not working out, the company can always uh, reach out to that commander and go, hey, it's not working. It's not, this is not a good fit. And then the commander will just call them back to the unit. Is it better that they call the commander directly or should they call Skillbridge first telling them that they're going to they, call, they the call the commander? They, they call the commander directly. Okay. I mean, it's not a, you know, it's not a, it seems like that would be a negative thing, but it's really not. That's why the information is provided on the paperwork Yeah. Okay. Uh, because the command wants to know as well. Like sometimes it's not always disciplinary. Like you said, sometimes it's just not a fit. If it's yeah. disciplinary, then yeah, we would definitely want that company to, be able to reach back to the union and say, Hey, you need to call this person back. Yeah. You know, this yeah. Is what's happening. But at the same time, you know, if it's just not a fit, we would want the company to reach out and, and let the command know that as well. And I go, okay, thanks. We'll, we'll have them report back. Yeah. I just want the businesses to know that they have the support, you know? And so if there's not a fit or it's not working or God forbid, if it's worse than that, that they do have the ability, they're not just stuck going, oh my God, I'm stuck for three more months with this. What am I going to right. do? You know? No, not at all. Good deal. All right. You got well, anything else? Yeah, just a few salient points, things that I noted while we were talking. One, you said that SkillBridge is a Department of Defense program, but unfortunately, as of this moment, it's not at every installation. So it's important for everyone to hear that. That doesn't mean, or doesn't mean, Jose, just for clarification, can they go out to a neighboring installation? Let's say it's not a joint base situation like we have here in San Antonio, but can they go out to a, an installation that does have it and apply through the program that way? Or if it's not at their, their if it's not at their installation, they're just kind of unfortunately missing out. Well, what I would recommend is. Uh, so there, there's two things that I would recommend. One, so the first one would be go to your service portal, right? We have a myaf.mil, there's navy.mil, there's, uh, uh, what is the army one, JKO. Uh, you're right, all the services have these, these portals. There's a search button, type in SkillBridge. 
and all the information should populate. So should you not have a skill bridge office at your base, you will be able to find how do I contact somebody in my service for skill bridge. The second thing is Google is everybody's best friend. Just Google Navy or Army skill bridge and information will start popping up and then you just refine your search and, until you find somebody. At the very least, they can go to the DOD SkillBridge website, and there's a section uh, off to the side called Resources. When you click on it, it'll break down by all of the services, and it'll give them the applicable guidance, uh, how to apply, what paperwork is required. Uh, it's intended to be a one-stop shop, but uh, yeah, so there's any number of ways that, that service members can find uh, how to use SkillBridge. So what I, just to clarify, not every base will have a quote unquote skill bridge office. office. Right. It is available at all bases, but not every base will have a team or an office that you can go to to talk to someone. That's they helpful. have to be an email or a phone call. That's helpful. Any rank can apply. That's what I heard. High success yep. rate requires yep. commander approval. Yep. Uh, 180 days out from your last day on active duty. Doesn't have to be the full 180, but that's when you're eligible to do this. You're right. paid your regular military pay and benefits. Right. Uh, doesn't have to be in something that directly correlates with what you're doing in the military. It can be your heart's passion that That's you're right. pursuing out there as you get ready to transition. Jose, I love everything about mm -hmm. what you do, this interview, and what Donna and I know that we're just going to, I'm going to let the audience know is we've been waiting to do this. We've been excited, looking forward to having this conversation it's, with Jose. We've it's already been a while. We've, we've already conducted an interview with somebody who went through right. skill bridge and we're not going to give anything away now, but that's going to come up after the listeners are hearing this. So if you're listening to this listeners, the next one in two weeks, as we release these, you're going to get to hear, to hear from somebody who went through this program. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you, I mean, really it's free and what do you have to lose? Right. Yeah. Lord, the most you can do is ask. I mean, I was going to do it. And honestly, it kind of worked out to my benefit. I didn't do it because I actually went into a, another direction. But it was really cool. And I said, Jose, he does, He has so many people. He doesn't remember. But I still have emails and chatting with him, you know, and, and what needs to be done. And, and it, I, I felt it was pretty seamless. You know, I think the only thing I would add is if it is a new place, <laughs> You are going to have to do some of the work, like help make the training plan. You right. know what you want to learn and do. Help make it, collaborate with them. That's what I did. We actually developed a training plan together. I didn't end up using it, but we did develop that. So, you know, if you really want to do something and there is something available to go talk to the business, have them sign up, make a plan, be engaged, want to do it, you know? I like it. Yeah. Jose, any last thoughts, anything we didn't touch on that you thought, man, there was this really important point and now it's kind of, you know, hitting you and you're thinking, I still want to squeeze this in. Any last takeaways? No, just uh, preparation is key. Um, if you're even thinking that you might want to do skill bridge, the sooner you talk to somebody, start sitting down and planning. Uh, it's not going to make your transition easy, but it will make it easier. And, uh, you know, preparation is key in anything, right? So, uh, definitely reach out um, if it's folks that are in the San Antonio or surrounding area, whether it's service members or companies, please reach out to me directly. If you're a service member, I'll get you connected with my team. If you're a business, reach out to me. I am more than happy to sit and do one-on-one -on -one calls and talk to you about your organization and, and uh, where we see SkillBridge fitting. So always happy to do that.
Yes, fantastic. Donna, anything before I land this plane? When you said preparation is key, I just actually smirked because I, you know, the saying preparation plus opportunity equals luck, right? My daughter learned that lesson recently. She mm. wanted to be, you know, starting band and she wanted to be a drummer, either drummer or trumpet. But she was really leaning on drumming. She's like, I really want to be a drummer. Well, she didn't get it. And the whole reason is because they had a lot of experienced people that already you know, could drum, right? And so they they selected them. But I did kind of gently say to her, you know, you used to take drum lessons and she took it for a very short time and she decided to try out lots of different instruments, which wasn't wrong. There was just kind of a point that if you had stuck with the instrument and learned it, you might've had a higher chance of getting selected. So I put that out to the up to people that, you may be doing something that may not be exactly what you want, or you may be inundated with additional duties. <laughs> You're building skills all the, the time, time. Yeah. and you do not know when those skills combined with opportunity is going to be your luck. I like it. And I had pulled up a quote that ties into what the two of you just said, and it's from Eleanor Roosevelt. And she said, it takes as much energy to wish as it does to plan. So uh, again, Mr. Jose Ontiveros, uh, the Skill Bridge Career Skills Program Manager here in the San Antonio area for Joint Base San Antonio. We're going to post your information up in the summary that will go out with the podcast. Can't thank you enough for taking time to join us in this time and space to share your knowledge and wisdom experience with our listeners. Just, uh, you know, Donna and I greatly appreciate you, Jose. Thank you so much, Jay, Donna. I really appreciate the opportunity and looking forward to uh, continuing to work together. Absolutely. On behalf of uh, Donna Hoffmeyer and myself, Jay Johnson, your host for Beyond the Frontline, we just want to thank you listeners. We still ask that if you hear something and it resonates with you, drop us a comment, you know, ask a question, tell us what it is you're wanting us to cover even as a topic on a future podcast. Give us a like, Share the link. And uh, as always, we would appreciate a, a follow. Thanks, everybody. We can't wait till we're in this time and space with you again. Have a great day. Bye for now. Thanks for listening to Beyond the Frontline, a podcast of coming home well. Join us every other Wednesday. And if you enjoyed this episode, please share it with others, post about it on social media, or leave a rating and review. Follow us on Instagram at ComingHomeWell underscore BTS or on Twitter at ComingHomeWell. Thanks again. And until all are home and all are well.